if you want to close out this year strong and start next year even stronger, then you may want to check out the Same Side Selling Academy six-week immersion program starting on October 10th. It's going to be limited to a small number of people, and it's hopefully a group that's going to be highly engaged, focused on same-side selling and how to grow your business. Just go to samesidesellingacademy.com to sign up. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, it's Prospecting 101. I received an email recently from someone who said, I'm brand new to sales. I come from the federal government where I did analysis for the last eight years. I talked my way into a sales job. I love the company and the product. I really want to keep this job. I'm not bad at the actual selling part, but I'm horrible at getting appointments. Does that sound like you? Do you ever feel that same way? I hear this so often. Um, This person goes on to say, can you talk not just about prospecting, but the fundamentals? Should I call and knock on doors? How do I choose the right person to call? What types of things keep the person on the phone to hear you out or get them to come to the front of the office to speak with you? So this is something that is all too common, and I'm going to break this down in great detail on this episode. I'm also on a mission right now to increase the ratings and reviews on iTunes. Not in terms of the number, because it's all five-star, but just the overall numbers of people posting reviews and ratings. Part of it is that the reviews and ratings have an impact on attracting other listeners, which obviously I want to do, because I want to be able to impact as many people positively as possible. The other side is I'm kind of competitive, and some of my buddies have podcasts that have more ratings and reviews, so I want my audience to slay their audience. So if you can do me that favor, I would greatly appreciate it. And of course, if you don't, you're still more than welcome to listen in, and I totally get it. But if you could, that would be great. So let's talk about prospecting. I got a phone call the other day, and and this is we're going to see if we can include the audio in it because I actually recorded the call. And the person calls up and says, can I speak with the business owner? And I said, wow, is, is this call being recorded? And they said, it is. And I said, well, in that case, I'm going to record it on my end, too. I wanted to speak with the business owner. Okay. About what? I would just like to uh, schedule a brief meeting with our local branch manager. Have them come out to your business, hear about it, and uh, see if we have anything that might benefit us. And see, here's the problem, is this person clearly didn't do any research. Now, I've talked a while back about getting a phone call from somebody, I think it was Justin, who says, oh, Mr. Altman, yes, I'm calling because we help speakers and authors just like you who struggle when it comes to sales and being uncomfortable in sales conversations, at which point I said, well, gee, what is it about my website that told you I need help in this area? And of course, you hear him type on the keys in the background, and then he says, oh. And at that point, it was obvious that he had never been to my website before, but he was pretty sure that a guy who wrote two best-selling books on sales probably didn't fit his profile. So those are both cases of people who weren't born with the notion of calling people randomly, but instead they hadn't been taught the correct approach for prospecting. And that's what we're going to go through today because the biggest problem they're facing is a lack of being prepared. 
They're not thinking it through. They don't have a strategy. They're just picking up the phone and making phone calls or they're sending emails. And the problem with marketing automation is that you can send a horrible message to a lot of people with little to no effort. And it used to be you actually had to think about what you were going to say and what you were going to accomplish. And now I can just let automation send an awful, awful message. And so we want to make sure it doesn't happen. I'm going to give you a formula for this. So first, what I want you to always think about when it comes to prospecting is what's your goal? So there's a couple levels to this. But what I want you to think about is what are you trying to achieve from a sales perspective? So if your goal is as a business is let's say you're a salesperson and I'm just going to make the math easy. And we're going to say that your goal is to sell $1.2 million a year, which means your goal, if we spread it out evenly, is $100,000 a month. And if your goal is $100,000 a month, then what you have to ask yourself is, okay, so if I sell a $50,000 solution, that means I need to close two accounts per month in order to make that happen. Which means I need to find more than two people each month who have a problem that my $50,000 solution is the perfect solution for. Because it doesn't just mean I need to talk to so many people. I need to find the people who have a need for what it is that I've got. If I was a doctor selling carpal tunnel surgery, it's not that I need to reach a 1,000 people. I just need to reach the subset of people who have carpal tunnel injury and maybe don't even know it. So I need to do some sort of marketing to the symptoms, not to the condition, because they may not know it. So if I start with that end goal in mind, what happens is I say, okay, so if I need two clients a month, well, I might say, you know what, gee, in my business, I have some clients who I sell $25,000 solutions to, some who I sell $10,000 solutions to, and some who buy a $50,000 solution. Okay, so maybe now my goal becomes, look, every month, I want to sell one of these $50,000 solutions. I also want to sell one of the $25,000 solutions, and I want to sell three of the $10,000 solutions, and that'll help me reach my goal. So in order to do that, how, if I look at my success rate, then I build that backwards and say, okay, so now if I need one of those in the, in the $50,000 range, how many prospects or proposals do I need each month? Well, I probably, let's see, I, I win about half of them I get to a proposal stage on, so that means I need at least two per month. Well, in order to get two per month, how many meetings do I need to have with somebody who's well-qualified? Well, gee, you know, let's say I need a total of five meetings of people who are well-qualified in order to get to the two proposals. Okay, so how many people total do I have to meet with in order to see who's qualified? So I start working backwards, and all of a sudden I realize, okay, so each month I need to contact 15 people who meet that criteria in the $50,000 range. And then I break that down at each level. So I kind of build a recipe or a formula to build everything from the ground up. And that's how I get to that. Now, as part of that, what you also need to think about is what are your referral sources? So oftentimes in a networking event, if there's 30 people in the room, I will ask people, well, how many potential clients do those 30 people represent? And what usually people say to me is, well, probably only 20% of the room is a potential client for me. So if there's 30 people, it's probably about six people. And I often say, but that isn't the question I asked. What I asked was, how many potential clients does the room 
represent? How many potential clients could you reach through that room? So now if I look at those 30 people, well, each of those people is probably connected to hundreds, if not thousands of other people. So I shouldn't think about how do I sell to each person in the room in an event, but instead what I have to think about is what's the message I can share with them so that they might be inclined to introduce me or recommend me to somebody else facing the issue that I'm good at solving. And what that means is that we need to start thinking about how we message our information, how we message ourselves so we capture their attention. So let me, let me step back for a quick sec. What I want you to realize is that when you reach out to somebody or when someone calls you, your goal is not to get a meeting. Getting a meeting is not the goal of an initial inquiry. Rather, your goal is to determine the fit between their needs and what it is that you're good at solving. And if there's not a fit, it just means that there's not a good fit today. So too often people say, well, my goal is to get a meeting. And you're talking to someone and you say, hey, I'd love to meet you next week. And they say, great, come on out. And you're thinking it's great news. But what I will tell you is the person who is willing to meet with you without knowing what they're meeting about usually is not the right person because senior level people and people who are busy and entrusted with important decisions usually are very efficient in how they schedule their time. Now, they may have a great idea of how you can help them, but if you haven't discussed it, shame on you. So we want to make sure that we get to that information pretty clearly. Also, what I want to make sure of is I want to give you a little bit of a structure around how you spend your time and then I'm going to come back to this idea of the messaging and how we craft it. So on the scheduling side, what I want you to think about is this. The, the worst thing you can do is call somebody without having done any research. Because then you get in those embarrassing situations. I mean, think about it. The person who called me up from a bank and said, well, can I speak to the business owner? Let's just say that all they did was bought a list with phone numbers. So Google the phone number and find out what the company is and then go to the company's website and figure out who the owner is. And then they could have called up and said, hi, can I speak with Ian Altman, please? And I might have actually given them the time of day. In this case, I gave them a little bit of a lesson because I said, well, here's the important lesson you learned. Hopefully you'll do better next time you call somebody. I mean, it was just it was actually embarrassing for me and for them. So what I want you to think about instead is a schedule of saying, OK, look, what I need to do is I need to split up my time. I need to split up my time between doing research, making calls, and actual follow-up. So three elements, research, making phone calls, and follow-up. Now, the follow-up might, might be a meeting. It might be sending proposals. It might be, in the world of same-side selling, the concise business case. But the idea is that you want to break your time accordingly. So if you know that you're not likely to catch the right people on, let's say, Friday afternoons, that's a great time to either draft your concise business cases and summaries, or it's a great time to do your research because you want to do your research during times when your clients are not likely to be reached. And then the idea is to, when you're making phone calls, to just be going from call to call to call to call. Taking notes using the same side quadrant so that way you've got structure so you can send a follow-up. Now, the key is your follow-up has to be done within 24 hours. So any day when you have calls scheduled, you know that either that afternoon or the next morning, you have to do all your follow-up activities because time kills deals. And if you're not actively following up with those people, 
then you just wasted your time in the outreach to begin with. So we want to make sure they're being very pragmatic about that strategy of follow through. So how do I actually reach out to people and cap- capture their attention? Because the person who sent me this email said, look, you know, how do I get out there? What, what do I do? Well, there's a couple of things. First is that there's kind of a formula for people's attention. And, and I'm ashamed to say I forget where I first heard this, but I didn't invent it. But it's something that, um, that I've seen other people speak about. And so I apologize for not attributing it to an individual. I just don't remember where I saw it. It was many, many years ago. But what someone had said to me was, look, when, you, when you're prospecting, the person answering the call is probably not excited to hear from you, especially today with caller ID. They don't know what the, mess, what the call's about. So you have about five to ten seconds, I often say seven seconds, to initially capture someone's attention so they're willing to give you another 15 seconds to hear what you have to say. And if you say something in those 15 seconds that's compelling, then that buys you another 30 seconds to a minute. So the first thing is I got those seven seconds where the person's like, oh, my God, what is this? And my, my advice to you is say something that's self-deprecating. So it could have been that, um, that when you call up, you could say something like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm calling and this is sales related. So do you want to hang up? And they'll probably laugh. Or I could say, oh, I'm sure you're thrilled to hear from me because I'm calling to see if there's some way that we can help you. I'm sure you're absolutely thrilled. And they'll usually laugh. I mean, it's just, you, you, you can poke fun a little bit. The other thing you can do is if you're calling somebody and you know what their position is, then what I can say is, let's say I'm reaching someone who's an IT director and I know I'm calling IT directors. I can say, look, I work with a number of IT directors. About half the organizations your size are a good fit for what we do, which means half of them aren't, and I don't know which group you're in, so this might be a total waste of your time and my time. Can I ask you just a few questions to see whether or not this might be worth a conversation between us? So that disarming early on tells the other person, look, I recognize not everyone's a fit for me. So I'm not going to be like a dog with a bone who's going to stick around even when we determine it's not a fit. I'm telling you right up front that maybe it's not a fit, and I'm okay with that. The other thing that we have to look at is once I reach out to somebody and I've got that initial interest, um, there's two things I want you to realize. That on an inbound call, when someone calls you, you don't have to worry about your pitch. Someone called you and you say, gee, what inspired you to contact me today? Because they called you, so they already have some interest. So use that to your advantage and say, gee, what inspired you to contact me today? And that way, you now are getting them to tell you why they've called you, and they're reconvincing themselves why they're excited to hear from you and why they're excited to speak with you. So now, if I'm doing an outbound call, then what I want to do is I want to follow the model of the same side pitch. And the same side pitch follows the steps of entice, disarm, and discover. And those of you who read and have read Same Side Selling. It's in chapter four in the book. Get it on Amazon. They've finally got decent inventory now. So in Same Side Selling, this idea of entice, disarm, discover starts with the problems we solve. So the first thing you have to be in touch with is what are the problems or symptoms that my treatment or solution treats? So Kat, who sent in this request, can say, well, gee, so if I have this solution, what problem does it solve? And then what I get to do is I get to call people and say, hi, well, uh, you know, I don't know if we can help or not. I'd love to learn to, to learn a little bit because 
only about half the organizations like you into being a fit for us. See, people come to us when then we fill in the problems right there. So in my case, someone might I, I might say to people, well, people come to me when their message falls on deaf ears. They can't capture the attention of their ideal client. Their clients just focus on on price instead of value, and their sales cycles linger on forever with no end in sight, and they never know which deals are going to win and won't win because they don't have a good way to measure what's a good opportunity and what isn't. For the right organizations, they tell me that we deliver an amazing strategy for them and tactics that help increase their sales dramatically, shorten their sales cycles, and get their clients to focus on value over price. Here comes the disarm part. But the way we solve that isn't the right fit for everyone. I don't yet know if we can help you. But if solving that is important to you, here comes the discover. I'm happy to learn more about your situation to see if we can help. Now, if you're someone in that situation, which group do you hope you're in? The group we can help or the group we can't? And naturally, it's the group that we can help. So then who's selling whom? The important step in this is to understand the problems that we're really good at solving. And most organizations have a really good handle on what it is that you do, but not so much on the problems that you solve. So you have to put yourself in your customer's shoes. This, there's an exercise I do with clients all the time on this where we go in and we do a workshop for several hours to uncover these messages. But the results are, are staggering. I mean, it's amazing how by just changing the messaging to focus on the problems we solve versus what it is that we do, how it can capture the attention of the ideal client. And so that way you don't come across like these people who are asking, hey, can I speak with a business owner? Or I'm sure you have problems like XYZ, which I didn't. And that way you don't feel like a knucklehead. So hopefully this gives you some guidance when it comes to prospecting. And if you have more questions, you'll certainly let me know. So let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information that I think you can use and apply from this episode right away. First, do your preparation in advance. Don't ask those knucklehead questions like, can I speak with a business owner? Because that's just centered around what you're trying to do, not the problems that, they, that they've got. Make sure that you start with a goal in mind of here's the objective I'm trying to achieve in my business and then work backwards for how many proposals, how many agreements that means versus how many proposals and then back from proposals to meetings that are qualified to unqualified meetings and then you'll see how you build that list. Also, keep tabs on your referral sources to make sure that you're reaching out to them and recognizing everyone you talk to, if you use that same side pitch, now understands the problems you solve and how to connect those people to you. And that same side pitch from chapter four and same side selling is entice, disarm, and discover. And that way you always show up as someone who's there to solve, not sell. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. Just like with this one with Kat, if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, if there's a guest you think I should have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Thanks again for those reviews on iTunes. Really makes a big difference. And have an amazing week add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your client.